atheists, agnostics, long-haired weirdos, short-haired weirdos, vandals, hooligans. The government hug the government love. The government hug the government love. The government hug the government love. Welcome to The Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Northern Kentucky University political scientist Michael Baranowski. I'm joined today by my conservative counterpart, attorney and former deputy assistant to President Trump, May Mailman. Hey, Mike. Hey, May. So I am excited to talk about, well, all of the things that we didn't quite have time for in our weekend show. And of course, on the day we, well, it's, we're still recording this on Saturday, the 24th of February. And that is the day that South Carol, uh, South, South Carolinians, I guess, vote in the primary. And even though we don't know what the results are, now this will come out after that. I feel very confident in predicting that Nikki Haley will lose and lose badly to Donald Trump. That's not exactly going out on a, on a limb there, right? But Nikki Haley has vowed to, no matter what happens, to stay in the race, at least for the time being for the presidential nomination. And uh, in fact, on uh, a few days ago, uh, on February 20th, at a campaign rally somewhere in the state, Haley said, you know, uh, she feels she has no need to kiss the ring. And like David taking on Goliath, she's not just fighting someone bigger than me. She said, I'm fighting for something bigger than myself. And certainly we've seen Nikki Haley escalate her attacks against Donald Trump, saying things like he's gotten more unstable and unhinged and calling him meaner and more offensive by the day, arguing he's so obsessed with his own demons that he can't focus on delivering a future Americans deserve. I should point out also that earlier this month, Trump suggested that Haley's husband, who's serving a voluntary year-long deployment in Africa that began, I think, in June, uh, he's been absent for a reason. There was one rally where he said, what happened to her husband? Where is he? He's gone. He knew. He knew. <laughs> so, you know, and, uh, Haley still has, though, a good amount of financial support, uh, though, if you take a look at the most recent FEC filings, which came out in this last week, it looks like a portion of that support may be more anti-Trump than pro-Haley, because over 5,200 donors to Biden's 2020 campaign gave to Haley, according to Politico's analysis of the filing data. Now, that said, the bulk of her money appears to be coming from the right, but still more than one would normally expect coming from Biden folks, at least back in 2020. Uh, and as of that January 31st cutoff date for that most recent FEC report, the Haley campaign had just under $13 million in cash on hand. That compares to $30 million reported by Trump's campaign. So clearly a big difference. But if Nikki Haley wants to hang on for a while longer, it certainly seems like she'll be able to do that, uh, at least, you know, for the near term future. So May, I'm pretty sure you're not going to disagree with me that Nikki Haley's going to get thumped in South Carolina. But what do you think about why she seems so intent on staying in a race she's unlikely to win, at least, you know, for the time being? I mean, what a mystery. So she's not stupid. And it seems stupid, I think, to burn cash like this when you could be donating this cash to. Senate races that need it. You could be keeping it in your war chest for some other thing 
that you might need later. I mean, there are so many higher IQ uses of your money. So I don't understand why. I think the, you know, the theories out there are one, she does think that at some point Republicans are going to want an alternative to Trump because he's in jail or whatever. Uh, and at that point, she will have scooped up a delegate or two, and that will make her the the go-to. I think that's stupid because if Trump ends up actually in jail, I know the polling shows that Americans are going to not like that, but especially if it's like the Alvin Bragg case, it will be such an outrage that I, I do think it will propel uh, independent, low-income, sort of non-establishment, more non-establishment voters toward Trump. Uh, theory two, um, she knows that Trump is going to lose to Biden, and she wants the greatest I told you so factor that will propel her to be a leader in the party moving forward. Um, you know, maybe. Maybe, but it's not like being an anti-Trump Republican is like a hot new thing. It's like it's been around forever. So she'll have to get in line if uh if Trump goes down in flames again. Um so and then I guess there's just delusion. Like she actually does think that she can win, but I, I don't think that she's delusional either. So to me, any one of the possible explanations is not good enough. Um, and yet, if she, if this is how she wants to spend her money and how, how she wants to spend her time, go for it. I don't necessarily think it's that harmful to Trump. I think, you know, some some Republicans, you know, don't really like having a voice on the right attack Trump because it will turn people away from him come election season. Yes and no. On the other hand, it keeps the media focusing on a primary rather than just fully going after Trump. And it gives Trump an opportunity to actually scoop up some wins and and be a winner in people's minds, which I think is useful for him in the general. So it it's not, in my opinion, harmful to either Trump or to the Republican Party generally. So it it doesn't bother me. Yeah, I, I don't know that there's a whole lot of distance between us on this. I guess the points of difference that I'll emphasize here is that as as a Democrat, I would much rather have attacks on Donald Trump coming from a Republican than from a Democrat, because I think they're more credible, at least to independent voters, certainly. And so I think it does hurt Trump, not overall, but I think it hurts him on the margins more than if a Democrat's making those uh, attacks. And so I'm all for that, certainly. But but I think also that you're right that anti-Trumpism is, you know, a lot of Republicans or some Republicans have tried to sort of carve out that lane. Chris Christie comes to mind. But I think by staying in, certainly Nikki Haley makes a good case for being first in line in 2028 when neither Donald Trump nor Joe Biden are going to be running. So there's going to have to be someone new. And not only that, but that money, I think, helps to set up 
uh, at least put in place more of that infrastructure that Haley will need in 2028 in more states and, and help to build those relationships in a way that donating that money to Senate campaigns wouldn't necessarily do. And so I agree with you. Nikki Haley's a very smart person. And so to me, I think she thinks there's a very outside chance that Trump won't be the nominee, but that's almost uncertain. Yeah, that unless Donald Trump drops dead. And hey, by the way, you know, he's 77. He's not exactly a paragon of health. Anything could happen, right? Uh, he's not the only old guy running for president this time around. So, but but yeah, I see this definitely much more as a setting yourself up for 2028 sort of thing. Yeah, and the problem still is for her, I think. Even if he does drop dead, she does not she does not speak to the vast majority of Republicans, um, at least the base, which yeah, I think base, you, yeah. you need to. Yeah, I think um, that's a good point. And and it's because she's not trying. She needs those votes, but she doesn't seem to. So she came into her power on the Tea Party wave. So she courted those voters and then now has shifted to a more establishment voter and that sense of abandonment you know if you were always like a uh, Mitt Romney then I guess that's one thing but I feel like there is this feeling of abandonment that makes people feel like they can't trust her that if you're not Tea Party and but at that at that time in 2010 you were also not establishment, then are you a Democrat? Like, who are you? I can't trust any words that are coming out of your mouth. And I know pro-life is is such a, a hard topic for Republicans to address, but her way of basically saying, do you do whatever you want to do is not, in my opinion, like tough leadership. And um, it, it's just it is, if there is a difficult question, I am going to punt. And I think Republicans are so let down by punters that whether it be this year, if Trump were going to drop dead, whether that be in four years, that that the Republicans are still not going to have an appetite for people they can't trust. And for me, that is Nikki Haley's problem, is that she's somebody I feel like I can't know and I can't trust, even though I think she's got all of these uh, things that are in favor of her, her competence, her poise, her hard work. Like there's just, uh, you know, even kind of seeing what she did at the UN, um, she is just very organized, goal driven, so many good personal characteristics. And yet, I think for a lot of Republican voters, unknowable and therefore untrustworthy. Oh, sure. Uh, I, I certainly agree with that. I think that's a problem for a lot of very ambitious, presidentially ambitious Republicans who got into the race thinking that Donald Trump might be uh, subject to, might, might, might be looking pretty shaky. And for, of course, you know, in the immediate aftermath of January 6th, when a lot of people had to start making those decisions, that seemed to be a very plausible sort of thing. But I mean, you have a Ron DeSantis who certainly wasn't a punter at all. He, he, tried, to, you know, he tried to move to Trump's right 
on so many issues. That didn't work. And so as a candidate, you have to ask yourself, well, how do I differentiate myself? That's a, that's a question, a difficult question that none of them have been able to answer successfully, and which is why all of them have gone down in flames and why Nikki Haley will go down in flames this time as well. So I, I certainly don't disagree with you about that. I think it's a, a larger problem, in fact, with, uh, with Republicans. I, I want to ask you about uh, another thing. Speaking of Republicans, you can't necessarily trust in kissing the ring. Uh, maybe I'll talk about uh, Tim Scott and others as well, uh, because in this last week, Donald Trump has been in his very Donald Trumpy sort of way, throwing out broad hints, right? Giving people teasers. He's great at that about who might be on his short list uh, to be a running mate. Uh, there was this Fox News town hall event on February 20th. Laura Ingram asked him about uh, a number of folks, Tim Scott, DeSantis, uh, uh, Ramaswamy, uh, uh, Byron Donalds, uh, Christy Nome, Tulsi Gabbard. He says, honestly, all those people are good. They're all good. They're all solid. But later that day, Trump specifically mentioned Scott, who's been doing a lot of work campaigning for him in the state. He said, he's been such a great advocate. I have to say this in a very positive way. Tim Scott been much better for me than he was for himself. Uh, he said he called him and said, Tim, you're better for me than you were for yourself. Uh, w- what do you think about what Donald Trump has had to say so far about who he might be thinking about and how much of that is just kind of typical Trumpian showmanship or if we can read anything into any of this at this point? So I've always thought that Tim Scott was like on my list of three VP picks that it might be. So I think at this point, I know that Kellyanne Conway was pushing uh, Mayor Suarez from Miami. I think that Elise Stefanik is still up there and Tim Scott. And so part of it, I think, is what you said. There's some showmanship. Like Trump is such a great motivator of people. He knows when to pat people on the head at the right time to get them to run through walls for him. I mean, he there's there's an aura about Trump that people just really want to please him. And he knows exactly how what to say and how to pump up people's egos in order to get the most out of them. And so I think there is a little bit of that going on uh, with Senator Scott. Um, you know, also, Senator Scott, I think, has some of the qualities that Trump should like in a VP. So I think Mike Pence was an awesome vice president because Mike Pence was comfortable with his role. He was completely fine being second fiddle. He he never complained about that. He did not try and Dick Cheney make himself co-president as far as like foreign affairs or anything like that. He took a back seat. I think uh, Tim Scott also has shown himself to be a backseat kind of guy. So there's a lot that's good there. I think I was very unimpressed uh, by him in when he was running for president, like during the debates, I never felt that he articulated anything that I felt passionate about, um, that he had a, any really unique perspective, put things in a new light. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess people like that he's a positive guy. Uh, okay. Yeah, but there just there wasn't anything shiny to me about Tim Scott. That said, that's that's like ideal VP pick. You know, he's never gonna steal the spotlight. Yeah. He's <laughs> never gonna out brilliance you. Um, 
so so there was something i think very attractive about his presidential run so yeah. can you yeah, imagine I, I can you imagine uh, uh ramaswamy or or desantis in that kind of shrinking violet sort of thing it just <laughs> No, that's why those those are absurd yeah. ideas. Uh, anyone who thinks of th- of themselves and the policies that they would like to accomplish and the change that they would like to see in the world, and they have very clear policy ideas, which I think both Vivek and DeSantis have, which is like, I, I really think we need to reshape the healthcare industry to do this or the education industry to do that. Like, it's not even selfish necessarily. It's just... Uh, it's, you've given a lot of thought to an issue and you're very dedicated to that issue. I don't see that with Senator Scott. Like, I, I, I just don't. He would try and change every conversation to the border during these debates. It's like, you're not the, we're not listening to you about the, I, I, what, like, he just, it seemed completely no passion there. And that is, so golden for yeah. him, yeah. I think. I think. I think also. I can see where the idea, uh, uh, the idea of of Scott or Donalds as well, might appeal to Donald Trump because it ticks a lot of boxes. I think that sort of choice because uh, on multiple occasions, right, Donald Trump has said he's the least racist person ever, and I think there's something he that would be really appealing to him about having a black running mate, also someone who's kind of this, who he feels like he could maybe anoint as a successor, but who wouldn't steal the spotlight. And boy. That seems like a Tim Scott sort of thing. And also, I should point out that it doesn't really, in one sense, politically, it doesn't matter a whole lot because there's so much research saying that, honestly, VP choices don't move the needle really at all. And so I think, you know, Donald Trump's free to choose someone he feels comfortable with. And I would say that at this point, Donald Trump, of course, has a penchant for doing the wild, unexpected thing out of nowhere. But if I were betting, I would certainly bet on Tim Scott at this point. Yeah. And I I don't think it's a stupid pick. No. Um, You know, I would like, I wish that there was a way to pick a VP in one of these major swing states. So a Wisconsin, a Michigan or something like that, that's going to help there. Like South Carolina is not, is I'm not concerned about it, but at the same time, um, I do think that there is an opportunity for Republicans to make inroads in the black community, especially the black male community. And, you know, hopefully this will work. But at the same time, Republicans have to do way more work. You can't just have like a, a token showpiece out there. You have to go into communities. You have to talk to people. You have to, you know, do something. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't think of a VP pick does that. Um, but still it's, it's, it's something. So, um, yeah, I I would not be unsupportive of that decision. Yeah, see, I, I, and I, of course, hope he doesn't pick uh, Tim Scott. I would much rather have him pick someone like uh, Ramaswamy who might do some really dumb things. But unfortunately, I don't think that's going to be the way it's, it's going to go. But anyway, we hope you enjoyed this preview of our supporters exclusive midweek show. If you'd like to hear the rest of the episode, we hope you'll consider becoming a supporter. Supporters get ad-free access to all of our shows, membership in our Politics Guys Discord group where you can join in on the conversation, and other benefits at different levels of support. 
To become a supporter, go to patreon.com slash politicsguys. You can also support us through Venmo or at politicsguys or through PayPal. You'll find all of our support links in the show notes as well as at politicsguys.com slash support. And if you'd like to get the midweek show, but you're not in a position to become a financial supporter, that's not a problem. Just send me an email at mike at politicsguys.com and I'll be happy to get that set up for you.